So we've been going through the book of Acts, and just give me a second here. There we go. Looked at Acts 1 two weeks ago. Spoke about Acts 1 8. It said that when the power of God comes on you, you go be his witnesses across the earth. This is the beginning of God uh, working in mankind uh, to a new level. Just you see the explosion of the church. Acts 2, uh, Peter gets up to preach. People are saying that, that these guys are drunk. Um, and the, the power of God's hitting them, and it's just this, uh, this amazing movement that's, that is the birth of the early church. And uh, almost as like the, the dust begins to settle, and uh, at the end of Acts 2, we read this verse. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 2, verse 42, it says, straight after Peter preaches the, the gospel, and uh, it says, 3,000 were added to their number. The very people who put Jesus on the cross were saved from a man who denied Jesus at Jesus' toughest time. So if that's not a picture of grace, I don't know what is. And um, we get to the end of Acts 2.42, and I've preached this a lot of times in City Lights. I've done a whole series on it. Um, it's almost like a bit of a, a church manifesto to go back to. It's like, are we lining up? And I, I just really, I struggled with it this week, and, and was working even till late last night, because I just really wanted to come with a, a different angle, at least, because I feel like we've uh, preached it, and we're not seeing all of what we're seeing here, but we are beginning to see something like that. So I'm going to read the scripture, give some comments, got four points, and we're going to be done. Is that cool? Yeah. Awesome. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that it changes us. I pray, Lord God, that as we look at it, we would grow, our hearts would grow in Jesus' name. Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Uh, they sold their possessions and property and distributed their proceeds to all as any who had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. That's like an introvert's nightmare. I live with an introvert. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And like I said, that this, this church was birthed in the fire of God. It says that the, the power of God came in Acts 2, and the, it says like tongues of fire rested on them. It was God just saying, this is, this is the inauguration in some ways of the kingdom of God breaking in on the earth. I'm going to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things by my spirit. Jesus says, it's better that I go because when I go, I'll leave the spirit so, we can, so the church can expand across the earth. And as I started to look at this scripture, and I was like, I was thinking about our city, and I, I love living here because it obviously has its challenges, especially now. Nushi was taking a video for my parents and for Styler's parents. They're not here to be part of the dedication. And my mom called me yesterday, and she was upset that she wasn't going to be here. I'm like, there's nothing you can do, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is what it is. That's just, but that's part of, so you have those few moments that are like that. But in general, it's, it's an amazing place to live because we, we away from family, we away from familiarity, and we are forced to, to connect with one another. This becomes your family. This becomes the people that you surround your life with. And if I look, Rom's away on business, but Rom and Nushi have known for many, many years. They've, they, we walked a long journey together, been friends for many years. Andy and Carolyn, again, maybe 10 years, maybe longer. I've known them. I, I married them. Ryan, I've known since I was 17, uh, seven, no, 18. 
Um, we used to go to youth camps together, and I've said this before, but it's worth saying again, he used to really look up to me, and just he'd like, it was before like uh, Facebook and all that stuff, but he used to write me messages and say, I want to be like you, and yeah, no, he played guitar because I was playing guitar on stage, it was, um, and if I look at Bruce, I've known him, we were 20 years old, leading a community group together, um, and it's just Beatrice and Erica. We, we had the privilege of baptizing them, and uh, now they're just like the best people on the planet. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing, and the reason why I'm being so personal is that I believe that the, the greatest reflection for me, at least, and what I see in Scripture is, is that revival, these things we're talking about, it actually ends up looking like family. It actually ends up looking about people who are deeply committed and devoted to one another. And if, you, if, if we had this kind of thing happen in our church and all of a sudden Andy had like tongues of fire on his head and there was like we were stumbling out of the church as though drunk, we'd have to get Uber to come pick up the people. Uh, that's my dad joke for the day. Um, and, we'd, you know, like because if that started to happen, we'd be like, okay, well, this is it. We're going to expand, which we are expanding because we do need more space because preaching twice is pretty hectic. Um, but we would expand, we'd go like multi-site and the, I would eventually become like a celebrity pastor, which is like my life goal, you know, and uh, get a blue tick on my Instagram name. And, um, and that's how the world would look at us, like we'd use God for our own glory. But what happened in the New Testament? They took this incredible move of God where 3,000 in a day were added to their number and they said they channeled all of that into small groups that were deeply connected to one another. They were trying to live out Jesus' practices, as we said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There would have been Jesus, there would have, the apostles who were the, the first eyewitnesses of Jesus would have taught what Jesus taught. We read in, in earlier, it says, for 40 days, Jesus taught on the kingdom of God. They would have retaught what Jesus taught them. They would have taught Sermon on the Mount. They would have, they would have sat and they, they, they devoted themselves to this teaching. This is all new. This is all fresh. So often the modern church for me just looks, can look so far from what the gospel, what I see in scripture that I believe is God's heart. Now we, it, it is contextual. We do live in a post-Christian world. We live, we live as expats. In many ways, some of your exiles, I talk to some of you, you can't actually leave because you've got, maybe you've got debt and there's finances and this is your kind of only job opportunity, whatever it is. So in many ways, we've had to find our, our way and find community and find deep love towards one another because we forced it. But I love that. I love that, that this is the community that we get to live and be a part of. The early church leaders never had what we had. They had no official church buildings no visions or statements of faith, no core values printed, no social media, no radio, TV broadcasts, no, no, have you seen that guy Preachers with Sneakers? Go look at Instagram, it'll, it'll change your life. It's called Preachers with Sneakers and it's all these kind of celebrity pastors wearing fancy shoes. For the record, I have two pairs of shoes that I wear in church, you'll see. It's these Adidas and I've got a pair of Vans, they're looking a bit old, but it is what it is. That's, that's, that's not going to necessarily change over the next while. But compare that to the early churches that when they stood up like Stephen in Acts 7, he was martyred for his faith. It, it, when, you, when you're a leader showing potential in modern church, you get onto the circuit and you start preaching across the earth. The early church, they got martyred. And I know things have changed and I know concepts have changed, but the, the reality is the, the, the gospel hasn't changed. This, the power of God needs to come. And I, I just want authentic. I want, I, want, I want to see what I see in the pages of Scripture. I want to go back to a place of like, oh, we're selling our possessions. 
I can think of three people who have given away cars in this church. There may be more. That's three at least I know. I can think of uh, so many stories of people who couldn't pay either school fees, they couldn't pay um, debts, whatever. Their community groups have got together. And it's just stuff that's happening. It's like, oh, by the way, we bailed this person out. I'm like, we need to hear these stories. So in two weeks' time, we are going to hear some amazing stories. Just of um, the, uh, one of the guys in our church, he was just praying for kind of breakthrough in his work. He hadn't had work for about eight months. Connected with someone in the church. All of a sudden, he's got one of the biggest contracts of his life. Just seeing God's hand in all of that. And just these little miraculous moments. So it's not like I'm just talking of this text now. This is happening amongst us. I was chatting to Nikki and her and Andre lead a group um, in Jumeirah. I'm just giving you a little, quick little punt. If you live in Jamira, great one of the greatest groups in the church, go join them. But just, she's, it's, it's amazing because we're not massive, but we've got a bunch of people that we love and we walk in journeys with them, people from different backgrounds. It's like, oh, I love that. This is, this is Book of Acts stuff. So we, we're there in some ways, but we're also not there in other ways. So we have to always need to come back to what the Word says, what the text says. And that's what we're going to do today. So again, I wanted, I wanted to look at, try to look at things slightly different. I've got four points. It's not going to be a long sermon because it's a bit that's happened today. But uh, I want to start out with the, with the words they. You see the words they, 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 all, and everyone is mentioned. Which means the early church wasn't necessarily about individuals. It was about the church together. In unity. And you'll see right at the end it says those who uh, God added those to their number. And it's, for me, the greatest evangelism tool is when we start to live out what Jesus says. It's, it is the most attractive part. Of Christianity, if we live out what this Bible says, what what we see in this, the pages of Scripture, how Jesus tells us to live in, in Matthew five and, and the rest of the Gospels, it automatically is going to attract people to be part of something that's new, different, and fresh. So, first of all, I want to quote from Bonhoeffer just because I listened to half of his book and I thought better put that quote in, but it's really good. And he grew, Bonhoeffer was a guy who, who was a pastor during the time when um, Nazi Germany was taken over, in many ways was persecuted for his faith, eventually died for his faith. But he wrote about, and he got to a point where they, they were so persecuted that he started these kind of almost underground Bible colleges that guys would get, come together. And, they, and he wrote this book called Life Together, which is just an incredible theological book about how there needs to be community and how we, we are alongside one another working together. And he, he says this, it is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace. And he later goes on to say that it could be easily taken away. We've lived in that reality of this church. And not to make it more dramatic than it, than it is, but friends of mine across the city have had their passports taken away, have had to sit with government officials, has had to, uh, one of my friends sat with, had 50 meetings with government officials about him running a church. This is, and we don't expose you guys necessarily to that because it's great if you come and have coffee and it's fine. But the reality of doing church is that we are in a place that is, it's tolerated, but not celebrated. And I'm really grateful for uh, all the leaders and they are very open to Christianity. But the reality is this, this is where we live. That any moment in 2017, I had four dreams. And I dream every now and then, but normally it's just weird stuff. But uh, it's maybe what I watched before, not before, whatever it is. But I had four dreams that we had our Easter meeting. And the police were going to walk in and shut down our Easter meeting. Four nights in a row. Took it to the elders. So I thought, God's speaking. He's clearly speaking that we can't have the Easter meeting. It's too dangerous. Took it to the elders. And they goes, no, we must do it. I'm like, that's nice of you to say because you're not going to be the one that's going to be stuck in jail. You know what I mean? Like, Dan, it's like, they're like, cool, double dip because, Dan, you're the leader and you can take it on the chin. That's fine. I was like, I'm not ready for jail. Okay. 
Um, this is a gift of grace. This community is a gift of God's grace to us. It's, it's imperfect. Just look at your pastor. It's imperfect. Just look at Andy. It's, uh, it's, we are, but the fact of the matter that actually an imperfect community is actually in, in the ordinary day to day, it says day to day they met together, is that when we begin to see the grace and the power of God. It's not so much in these dramatic moments. And if you look up in the book of Acts, there's like a list of maybe 20 miracles, but the rest of it would have been just people just getting on with the gospel. They would have just been living out the gospel, their lives just reflecting Jesus, doing the best way possible and failing most of the time. And then some are stumbling forward. And then, and through that, the church, the early church overturns an empire in 300 years to the point where the Roman empire was a pagan empire that became a Christian empire. And that obviously had a whole bunch of issues that came with that. But the fact of the matter, this little group in the middle of nowhere started by a man from a small town with a group of 12 people who couldn't even speak the, 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 the nation's language properly. They said Galileans couldn't speak properly. They had, uh, those guys literally turned the world upside down. And we get to be part of this. It's amazing. So number one, we're a commitment, it's a commitment-based community. So I'm comparing modern church to uh, the book of Acts, what we see here. It's a commitment-based community versus a preference-based community. We all have preferences. We live in a world with convenience and preference. If, that, if I don't like this, there's another option for it. There's always another option. There's, I mean, even with, look, let's look at cell phones today. You've got every option under the sun. It's whatever your preference is. It's whatever you want to back. And if I look at the, the New Testament church, it wasn't about preference. It was about commitment. John Tyson, who I've read some of his books, and he's just a great author, a great speaker, and he says, spiritual tourism is an enemy of the New Testament church. It's like we can sometimes treat churches as hotels. We go visit, and we're like, cool, we like this, we like that. The worship was good, it wasn't. And obviously, in, in all areas, we want to grow. We want to get better at teaching. We want to get better at worship. I get that. We want to be excellent. But the thing is, we cannot be these spiritual spectators that just add our, two, our kind of two cents to, to the to the bigger picture, okay? And I think I put this up a while ago, but if you have, let's just compare the two of modern day church expectations. Coffee, parking, lyrics on the screen, Bible on the screen, perfectly laid out building, which is not this one. A large group of people gathered, comfortable seating, croissants. We're actually gonna take them away because apparently kids only come to church for the croissants and that needs to change, okay? I need to be up for Jesus. Um, uh, perfect sound, the ability to serve without commitment. The pastor is on Instagram giving little sound bites to get you through the day. That's not going to happen, okay, guys? If, if you want me to be that guy, it's just not, okay? But then you have the biblical commands of what New Testament community looks like. Love one another. Love your enemies. Jesus, only the gospel can produce proper community because Jesus died for his enemies. He died for the ones, he says, forgive them, Father, because they do not know what they're doing. He looks down from the cross. He dies for his enemies. Therefore, we can love our enemies. We can love people different. Prayer is a lifestyle. The church is led by elders, led by the Spirit. We give generously, locally and globally. Everyone uses their spiritual gifts. We forgive one another. So if you read the scriptures in the New Testament, we cast out demons, we heal the sick, we love our neighbors ourselves, and we all make disciples. That is the, the biblical, and again, it's always good to look at these things and say, God, how are we doing? 
And I don't, one day it'll be great to completely be there, but I, I, maybe in this lifetime we won't, but we'll, we'll keep pressing on. Someone said this, but they're, they're kind of joking. They said there's a new gospel that's been found. It's called the gospel of preference, the Western church, post-church gospel. And, the, and anyway, so this is a joke, just FYI, okay? So just take it as it is. They studied the apostles' teaching when they had time. Uh, they fellowshiped when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something. They were content with, so they were content without and had low expectations of signs and wonders in their midst. Some got together and spoke about generosity but did nothing about it. It's, it's, it's crazy because I think honestly that's sometimes what, what can happen in church. We can talk about these things so much, but this is a church that did stuff. Maybe the person who you don't like who's possibly sitting next to you or near you is actually the person that God's using you to make you more like Jesus. It's inconvenient. It doesn't make, it's not your preference. It's, it's not a preference that, I'm going to choose Ryan. It's not my preference to have Ryan on team, but God's using him because of that. The second thing, we practice based versus an opinion based church. And sometimes we can, and it's very similar to the first point, but sometimes we can use ch- church and, and almost have like an Amazon review of like, okay, it's like, well, cleanliness, seven, um, the the worship leading was a nine. The preaching was about six and a half today. Um, and then you kind of got this overall score of what the church could be. My mother-in-law, and don't worry, it will be nice, Bianca and Star, is, uh, is one of the top trip advisor, um, I don't know what they're called, top trip advisor person for restaurants and hotels in Johannesburg. And the fact is, like, she goes in, she gives a rating, and it's great, and she's, she's kind of known. She even says, I'm top, I'm top of the trip advisor thing. But the fact is, like, we can so often treat church like that. We can come in, we can give it a rating, we, but we're not actually involved. And what I said from earlier and when we started this church, and uh, when, how many of you know when you go plant something new and you're pioneering something new and you're trying to figure it out, there's going to be a lot of opinions, especially people who have church backgrounds, and they're going to say, well, you should do it like this and you should do it like this. I'm like, okay, so you, are you involved? Are you, are, you, are you sowing your life into this? Because we've always said a thing that if you want to have an opinion and you want, to, you want to have something to say in this church, your hands are getting dirty within the church. Then, and I use this example of Sue. Sue sometimes graciously and lovingly comes and says one or two things, not so much about my preaching, but she encourages as much as she goes, you know, I think we should do this. And I'll listen to her because she's so involved. She's, she's leading people. She's thrown her life into the local church. I'm like, and she's got wisdom. So I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to say, okay, well, what have you got to say? Is that okay, Sue? <laughs> It's a difference of being, of, of being a football supporter or actually being in the team. Practice-based church. The, the, the church that we see there is that they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread. They were generous. They sold their possessions. Uh, they gave to those that had need. They gathered together. There was, a, there was this practice base that the church looked like something. Number three is that we're a people-based church, not a program-based church. Cigna, which is a, a medical company um, in the States, they did a, they did a, a survey, of, I think about 20,000 people across the U.S., and they, they came up with this. They said nearly half of Americans always or sometimes feel lonely. So it's 46%. Or left out, which is 47%. That's a real thing, FOMO. Um, 54% said they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. And then also did some stuff in, the Britain, in Britain that says, nearly half of Britons over 65 years old consider the television, 
or their pet, a main source of company. In Japan, there are more than half a million people under 40 who haven't left their house or interacted with people for the last six months. In Canada, the share of solo households is at 28%. Across the European Union, it's at 34%. And they said that loneliness has the same impact on mortality as, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And it leads to other things like obesity. That's not me talking. This is guys who know what they're talking about, who did legitimate studies around this stuff. And I, when I look at that, I was like, that's an opportunity for the church. That's an opportunity for those who are lonely. I mean, I watched such a sad, I don't know if someone sent it to me or someone showed it. But it's, it's, in, in Japan, there's like this, there's this thing where I think it's like over 60s, over 65, are literally people are dying alone from loneliness. They just become these hermits and no one cares about them in that society. They almost just get tossed aside and forgotten. It's like, this is an opportunity for us. There's lonely people in Dubai. There's lonely people that your neighbor. Get to know them. They, that this community, and they, they don't have to come and believe what we believe. Eventually they will or they may not. But as long as they come in and they feel loved, they feel part of something, and we can love them into the kingdom. It's one of the greatest evangelism tools, I believe. Tim Keller says this. I had a, a document on, on community, and he says, what atheism and other religions cannot produce is the kind of loving community that the gospel produces. In fact, Jesus states that our deep unity is the way the world will know the Father has sent him and has lo- loved us even as the Father has loved him. John 17. Jesus says that the main way of people, sorry, Jesus says that the main way people will believe that Christians have found the love of God is by seeing their quality of life in community together. So true. And then finally, my final point, this is the shortest sermon you'll ever have. can't believe it's that short. Anyway, there we go. The church we want to see is fruit-based, not results-driven. 2 verse 47, it ends, it says, Praising God... And enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And we need to leave that part up to God. God is the one that convicts, brings in, draws. Uh, he's, he's predestined people. He's, he's, he's drawing them into, into salvation. We need to get on with what the Bible tells us to get on with. And as we do that, we begin to see, it says that that favor with all the people. Favor in the kingdom of God doesn't come from being great and huge and powerful. It actually comes from service and sacrifice and living out agape love, which is selfless love to one another. Jesus showed agape love to us, which is selfless love. Therefore, we show selfless love to others. Growth takes time. Um, I don't know if you guys did this at school, but we had... uh, you know, the little two cotton, cotton wool pieces. You had the bottom one, the top one, and then in between there was a little bean. And you'd have to wet the cotton wool, and eventually the bean would start growing. Who had that? Anyway, I went to a cheap school. Okay, that's just what it was. Um, that was like the extent. We didn't have like projectors or anything. It was just like, this, this is what you do for fun. And um, my bean never grew because every day I'd lift it, and then I'd forget to water the cotton. You know, like, that's why we don't have pets, because we had a goldfish and we almost killed it. Then we gave it to someone else. And thankfully, I do, started us around, so we do remember to feed our children, because she's got it on a tracker. But, um, and they will remind you if you, don't, if you don't feed them. But the point is, I think modern church, and I've got a friend who, who leads a church, and he says at the end of church, 
he would, get a, he would get a little stats page and it would be like how many kids in kids ministry, how many volunteers signed up. And all of that's good. I think it's not, it's not bad to have an overview. But if that becomes your only interaction with the church and it's about, okay, well, we're looking low in that area this week or we didn't have much volunteers, then we have to start doing stuff to, to change that. If, that you, be, you get into an organizational thinking, which I don't believe is what the church of God is meant to be. We need to be organized, but not with that type of thinking where it's people become commodities as opposed to actual people with stuff that they're going through. And um, yeah, like I said in the beginning, for me, it's, it's, it's the, the greatest reflection for me what a local church should be is one of family. One where we're deeply devoted to one another. And we don't forget it. We don't kind of, kind of become hermits and forget about the outside world and don't read the newspaper. We need to be fully engaged with what's happening in the world, which, which we all are. But the, we, we, still need, we need to have a place that is so, that people come in and they're like, there's something different about the way these people interact. From different backgrounds, from different ages, but they love one another. There's this deep love from one another. Healthy things grow. We don't have to try to drive results. We just let God bring the growth. Just an ending. When the world sees generosity like this, they'll come. When, the, when, when they see love, service, and sacrifice like this, they'll come. When they see focus like this, I love that. that, that, that this church had incredible focus. They were focused on Jesus. They were focused on the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking bread. They, 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 they reorientated their life around being in community, lovely, loving one another, spreading the gospel, that is how we're going to see the city changed. And it's amazing for me, as I, as I just started to reflect about City Lights, and I'd love to say we got everything right, which is not true, but I started to think about, like, how has this community grown? It's happened like that. It's happened through community groups. It's happened through one-on-ones. It's happened through conversations where uh, there'll be like a mom, like a, a mom's group that's not part of City Lights, and they'll be like, oh, I go to church. And then they come, then they bring their husbands, and then the husband gets saved. And it's just like this snowball effect. And I feel like we, we cannot lose that. We, we're, we're, we're a church that is called to reach the city, but also a church that is called to be this, a generous and a growing church. Can we stand to our feet? Father God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that uh, we can look back at the scripture and go, God, is this, how are we doing? It's just, uh, are we struggling around generosity? Are we struggling around devoting ourselves to teaching? Are we struggling? What are, what are the areas, Father? And I just pray that more and more as this church grows in maturity and grows in age, Father, that we would start to reflect that, that ultimately we'd be, there'd just be this love that just gets poured out. Not only in this community, but into the city we find ourselves, Father, that we, that we do begin to come, become the answer. Father, I want to thank you for every single person here. The nine and the eleven. You've built this community. You've built these people. You've added those I pray for your blessing on them. I pray your blessing over their families. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.